I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Captain America Civil War episode and a pair of upcoming bonus episodes. Stick around for the post credit stings to find out what those bonus episodes will be. But on today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended on last week's podcast. Those were Kingdom Come and Captain America No Escape. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. And coming off of our last podcast, it feels like there's nowhere else we can really start than with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the Russo brothers and their screenwriters, Marcus and McFeely, are going to be moving straight on from Captain America Civil War onto the two Avengers Infinity War films. And they've been discussing how that culmination of the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to unfold. Now, they've implied that the movie that they plan to make, or the pair of movies that they plan to make, are going to be, as far as they're concerned, a continuation of what they've been doing on the Captain America movies. We maybe probably shouldn't expect to see too many of the main players from Civil War until then. Obviously, we have heard about a couple of cameos already, and there are some heroes that have their own solo movies, but it sounds like our heroes are still going to be split by the time that Thanos arrives in Infinity War. We also heard in the past week that the movies will be retitled, so don't expect them to simply be Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. We'll get some snazzy sub-subtitles, and the movies will begin shooting back-to-back in November. Sticking with the MCU, Kevin Feige has said that the character Marvel is most committed to giving a solo movie to next is Black Widow to which the internet responded, about damn time. Now, any Black Widow movie would likely have to wait at least until Phase 4 begins, and despite what Feige said, that is by no means a confirmation that a Black Widow movie is in fact happening, but it does sound like at this point Marvel are running out of reasons not to make the movie. On the small screen in the MCU, there is news that the Punisher spin-off series that we all had kind of already assumed was happening has been definitely confirmed, with John Bernthal returning and Steve Lightfoot, who notably worked on NBC's Hannibal, serving as showrunner. We also heard this week that Sharon Stone will have a small role in an upcoming MCU movie, but she didn't reveal which one. And one final MCU tidbit is the frankly quite thrilling news that Michael Giacchino will score Doctor Strange, so expect some fantastic music and a pun-filled track list from that one. We'll move on to X-Men now, and we don't want to go too deep into X-Men news because X-Men Apocalypse is released here in the UK next week, and a bunch of the recent news that has been coming out is 
possibly spoilerific. So the big takeaway that I think we are safe to talk about is that the sequel to Apocalypse will be set in the 1990s. So that follows on from First Class being set in the 60s, Days of Future Past in the 70s, and now Apocalypse in the 80s. How that will cope with the already dubious ageing of the core characters of the X-Men franchise um, remains to be seen. Um, But, you know, maybe they'll find Gambit mulling around somewhere in that decade. It seems like the decade in which Gambit should be hanging out. Meanwhile, The Wolverine 3 has begun filming and has also added Elise Neal to its cast. And Simon Kinberg has confirmed that Professor X is currently planned to be in the gestating New Mutants movie, which lends further credence to the article posted by Hitvix a couple of months ago. We won't replay all of that here, but it sounds like that was pretty on the nose from everything we've heard since. To DC now, and take a large portion of this with a fairly large pinch of salt, because surrounding the DCEU at the moment, there is a lot of rumour and speculation and innuendo, but the rumour and innuendo is quite interesting, so it would feel like a mistake not to cover it. One thing that we are absolutely sure is happening is that Ben Affleck is being promoted to exec producer on Justice League, and here's where the rumour comes in, because a lot of people have taken that to mean that he will eventually be taking over from Zack Snyder in the creative control position within the entire DC Universe. There's then another Ben Affleck-related rumour, that is that the Ben Affleck Batman solo movie will feature all of Batman's past villains, uh, perhaps in an Arkham Asylum kind of way, um, which is an idea we'd totally be on board with. That sounds great, and it fits with what DC has been doing, especially with Batman, of having him be an established character with his backstory already existing in this universe. And in fact, we're going to see a lot of those Batman villains in Suicide Squad anyway. And then the final rumour concerns the Justice League Part 1 movie because it now sounds like Darkseid won't be the villain of that film but would rather be Steppenwolf who is in fact probably the character we saw in that strange deleted Batman v Superman scene that was released just a couple of days after its opening weekend. Again, could be completely false but... Um, that sounds interesting, because oh, I, I say interesting, I have no idea who Steppenwolf is. Something a little more solid from the DC Universe is the news that Seth Graham Smith will no longer be directing The Flash. The party line on this one seems to be that this is down to creative differences, but those pesky rumours again, uh, they won't subside when it comes to DC, and there were hints that this was perhaps a byproduct of some serious shakeups in the DC EU following the creative and commercial disappointment of Batman v Superman for Warner Brothers. What does that mean? Well, the implication is that Warner Brothers would not be comfortable trusting one of their biggest superhero properties to a rookie director in the wake of Batman v Superman. Rumours accompanying that rumour implied that James Wan was on the verge of quitting Aquaman, but that now appears not to be the case. So, it's just a flash that's searching for a new director. That movie is due to open in March 2018, so it's going to need a new director in... In a flash! Sorry. Really sorry. Um, After dipping his toes into the world of comic book movies with Ant-Man, before becoming an Oscar winner with The Big Short... Adam McKay will follow up that success by directing an adaptation of Mark Wade and Peter Krause's comic Irredeemable. 
Now, a quick wikipedia tells me that that comic told the story of a group of superheroes called The Paradigm, who respond when the Plutonian, who used to be the world's greatest superhero, becomes its greatest supervillain and murders millions around the world. The script for that one is being written by Dead Snow and Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters writer-director Tommy Vercola. And we'll end things with a bit of TV news now, because we are reaching the time of year when we find out which TV shows are being renewed, which ones are being cancelled, which pilots are being ordered to series. Now, as for the current crop of superhero shows, we already know that a lot of them are definitely returning, but it seems like Supergirl is in trouble. There are rumours that the show could be forced to move production to Vancouver to cut costs, and that it could potentially relocate from CBS to the CW as well. A few months ago, it sounded like a renewal for Supergirl was all but a done deal, but CBS now seem to be looking to find a way to make the show work financially so they can keep it around. At ABC, meanwhile, some reports have cast doubt over whether the S.H.I.E.L.D. spin-off Marvel's Most Wanted will get its pilot picked up for a full season, um, meaning we could still see anything between one and four Marvel series on the ABC channels next season. Um, between that, S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, and the confirmed Cloak and Dagger series on ABC Family. I'm expecting all of them to still be picked up, apart from Agent Carter, sadly, but We'll wait and see. We could still be surprised. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. And we will start off with James's recommendation, which was Captain America, No Escape. This is a five-issue arc. Uh, It ran between issues 606 and 610 of Captain America and is by Ed Brubaker and Butch Geis, I believe. Um, And so this is a story where the Winter Soldier is in the Captain America role. Um, Captain America, Steve Rogers' Captain America, is still around. Um, The Falcon is kind of his sidekick. Um, The Winter Soldier, who is now Cap, is dating Black Widow in the comic. And he comes up against Baron Zemo. And I would say that the Baron Zemo is the main reason to read this arc of the comic. Um, it it was the image of Baron Zemo from the cover of the first issue of this was one that was familiar to me. It seems like the the Zemo image that had been picked by a lot of people to uh, illustrate that character online when writing news stories about Captain America's Civil War. Um, so I, I don't know whether this is a particularly iconic story from Captain America, um, but it did seem to me like a very good... Zemo story, if not a particularly great Bucky story. I found it hard to care about Bucky. He seemed to not be making rational decisions. Um, Everyone around him would tell him to make a different decision and he'd go, I know I'm making the wrong decision, but I've made it anyway and keep doing it. Um, I I couldn't really, uh, without any of the context around how that character got to being Captain America in the comics, I couldn't really invest in him. And it felt like there was a better Captain America just standing there next to him, you know, who could be Captain America but wasn't being because Bucky was. Um, And it also, strangely, it felt like a real throwback kind of comic to me. The artwork and some of the dialogue felt, it didn't feel very modern, um, and uh, I, I don't know whether that's just me 
reading reading it like that, but it, it felt like a bit of a throwback of a story. Um, maybe that's what happens when you're dealing with two... Well, most of the main characters are... Well, you've got Captain America, you've got Steve Rogers and Bucky coming from World War II and a villain who is the son of a World War II villain who seems to be very much operating in the mould of his father. Um, What makes this probably a good recommendation coming off of Civil War from the Zemo perspective is that basically Zemo does a lot of stuff behind the scenes to kind of undermine Bucky and push and pull at his emotions and misdirect and basically try and tear him apart without revealing himself until quite late on in the story. So um, he tries to he try he basically he's basically trying to undermine Captain America as a hero, um, as an icon, um, and he's doing it for personal reasons. Um, connected to his family now they're very different from the reasons in the movie and his means of doing so are very different from in the movie but it it seemed like this might have been some of the inspiration that the film took for what zemo how zemo um deployed his plan in captain america civil war so i very much enjoyed that side of the story um i thought it was interesting seeing this uh this status quo for Captain America. Um, I would still be very much interested in going back and reading some of the Winter Soldier stuff and some of the... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The early stuff um, of, of how, how we got to this point in the comics. Um, but I'm still yet to be sold on Bucky Barnes as a character or or on Captain America generally in comics. Um, I've read some of the more recent stuff of um, Sam Wilson as Captain America in the comics and thought it was okay. Um, when Steve Rogers has shown up in that, I've not hugely liked him. I've not found him hugely compelling when reading other comics. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm still waiting to be really sold on cap as a concept on the page um whereas you know i've been sold on that concept on the screen for a long long time now so um 
I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get there. But I yeah, I, I couldn't really latch on to the heroes in this story. I found the villains um, a, a lot, or well, the villain a lot more compelling. And um, uh, if 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 not, the only thing that I didn't find compelling about Baron Zemo was how he ended his fight with Bucky. Um, it feels like Baron Zemo could very easily have killed Bucky a number of times over the course of this story. Um, and despite that being what he wanted to do, um, not doing it. Strange. Um, but yeah, I would recommend this comic for anyone who's interested in Baron Zemo a little bit more. And um, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see him popping up as a villain more in comics. Um, currently, not that intriguing reading much more Bucky Barnes. But I'm, you know, I hear the Winter Soldier arc is fantastic. So... Maybe once we get to Captain America the Winter Soldier on this podcast, I will get recommended that comic. Although that could still be a while yet, considering how many films we still need to work our way through in the MCU. Okay, I'll move on to Kingdom Come Now, which is from Mark Wade and Alex Ross. And um, from everything I can tell... Uh, from googling about this comic this is a hugely important and influential comic um came out in 1996 and um seb encouraged me to buy this um uh, buy a physical copy of this rather than rather than purchasing it digitally and um i think that was a a very good call from seb because this is just beyond anything in terms of the actual story or the content is just a beautiful beautiful comic um alex ross is alex ross's art is stunning the way he draws faces um this kind of photorealistic manner is incredible the every panel seems incredibly incredibly dense there's so much detail detail in the background and um, it seems like there are little Easter eggs thrown in everywhere. I mean, I saw Rorschach from Watchmen in the back of one image. Um, there are, I mean, there's just loads and loads of panels here with huge amounts of superheroes in them. And if you if you kind of squint and look into the background, it appears like there are Marvel characters in some points. Um, there's one I just opened on a random page in the comic here, and there are characters from the Rocky Horror Picture Show stood to the side of one panel and um i mean you could you could just spend hours looking through this comic at at the at the artwork alone without reading a word and um it, you know it'd probably take you a long time to get from front to back just because there's so much in there and it seemed like alex ross had redesigned quite a lot of the superheroes costumes for this um and so there is you know there's some really interesting takes on characters um and and combine that with the way he draws faces um panels can just look so iconic and expressive and get across so much just because of that and uh yeah i was i would say for for me that was what i enjoyed the most about this comic um was was that yeah i mean i loved the way he drew for example um Captain Marvel, uh, the Billy Batson Captain Marvel in this, when when he is around, um, he he plays quite a pivotal role in the comic, and um, he doesn't say an awful lot. Characters talk about what's going on with him, kind of psychologically, and without saying, I, I'm not even sure whether he says more than one word, and that one word being Shazam, 
but the that you really get from his face that kind of psychological turmoil that he's going through this kind of schizophrenia that he has in a way um i mean this is a comic where batman and superman form separate teams um it's kind of like um it's, it kind of is like a Civil War kind of setup. I mean, Seb's right. He could have recommended this after either Batman v Superman or Civil War um, because they do both form teams um, in this. But it's just... And they're all, they're all older versions of the characters as well. Um, some don't look older like Wonder Woman because she doesn't age. Um, Batman and Superman both have aged um, in this. This, to me, felt like something that the DC Universe could work towards in kind of 10 years time or could it it feels kind of a little bit more tonally in keeping with what the movies are doing it's very dark and well it's set in a kind of dystopian future to begin with um uh, it feels like something that uh Zack Snyder would read and take all the wrong lessons from (laughs) but um there is a lot in there and from reading interviews afterwards with Alex Ross and reading stuff that Mark Wade had said um, since it seems like a lot of what's going on plot wise in the comic is a response to what was happening in comic books in the 90s um, in both the way that characters have been designed um, is it Magog who is kind of the character who forces Superman into hiding 10 years previous to the start of this comic and then draws him back out when he is responsible for um, a really devastating event um, and is kind of like the personification of everything is that is wrong with this new brand of metahumans that have um, multiplied and replaced the old kind of Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, Wonder Woman, Justice League of America kind of characters in the years since. And he seems to be a a riff on Cable from the X-Men in his design. Um, there is uh, th- There seems to be lots of critique of the explosion of superheroes in the 90s and the um, I read about like how the, the kind of the removal of human stakes from comics that Alex Ross was kind of critiquing. X-Men comics where it seemed like there was just all of these superpowered characters and all they did was fight and that it was all to do with them and you didn't really feel like they were a part of the human world anymore. Um, and I have to admit, a lot of that, I, I can't get that from reading this comic, not the first time anyway, because I wasn't reading comics in the early 1990s and I don't have an opinion on whether that that I just said is true or whether Cable is a ridiculously designed character although he does look kind of ridiculously designed um uh, but yeah so this this comic feels from well and seems like from everything I'm reading like it is a response to where the industry was in the early 1990s and because I don't have that context I can't really get that stuff out of it I can read about it afterwards and go oh that's interesting um, but I wonder whether this will be a comic that would be a lot more rewarding to me um, from a story point of view. Maybe in maybe picking this up five years in the future when I've been recommended a lot more comics by Seven James where I've got a, a, a bit better of an idea about what comics were like at this time or a lot better understanding of the DC universe and certain characters and what they represent and... Um, 
and for a lot of these people, just straight who they are, because there's so many, there are so many characters in this, and Batman and Superman are the mostly central ones, um, but a lot of them just, I, I, a lot of the people who say nothing and kind of just take part in the fights, I, you know, would have to read and annotate it, which frankly, there is actually an annotated um, thing at the back of the comics showing one of the, some of the main images and saying who all of them are. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe that that's, that's how I would get more out of this comic is by revisiting it um, in the future when when I've got more of a grasp on those kind of things. Um, but for now, I just enjoyed looking at it and looking at the artwork. I also, I really liked, there was a subplot with a team of former supervillains led by Lex Luthor who... Um, are are kind of trying to destroy the superheroes so that humanity can take can take control of the world back from the metahumans and superman has reformed the justice league to take down all of those old metahumans whereas batman doesn't agree with him and batman seems to ally himself with lex luthor's group um it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting clash um i found myself more than in um so Captain America Civil War for instance I'm watching that and going I'm kind of on both of their sides here I kind of felt I was kind of on neither of their sides but also it was such a you know it was such a dystopian world that this story was being told in that you couldn't really judge any of them because it was a true kind of rock and hard place situation um so yeah I, I enjoyed a lot about this comic mostly the art but um yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward to revisiting it. Uh, maybe maybe a year or two in the future that would be that'd be great. But I I can tell just from reading it, I I can understand why it would be such an influential comic. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems it, it it's kind of it kind of feels like something that is still relevant to the superhero stories being told right now. In in particularly in that it could have been a perfect recommendation after Batman v Superman or Civil War. Um, because it has it has nice stuff reflecting both of those movies in there. So that was Kingdom Come. But that is it for this week's podcast. Now, don't forget that the next couple of episodes of Cinematic Universe will be bonus episodes. And we will be having some stings at the end of the show. Um, I think for the first time ever, two stings. So let's say there are a mid-credit sting and a post-credit sting. I don't know. I don't know how quite how it's going to work. We'll see how it comes out in the edit. But there are two stings at the end of this episode, um, and that's how you'll find out what we're talking about on next week's shows. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please do subscribe, leave us a rating or review, or head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe and support us there. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicmultiverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at CU underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I think we all have something in common. We're worried about Whitney. One batch. Two batch. Penny and dime. Cinematic Universe will return next week 
with Agent Carter Season 2 and Daredevil Season 2 bonus episodes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.